The Ryan Reese Show from Southern California. This is The Ryan Reese Show. Post your questions using at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Are you ready? All right, it's going down. Tonight, I have my friend, Tom Hughes, in studio from his church's 412 in San Jacinto. Very good. Yes. Very good. Yeah. California. And all of you guys that listen to the show, you guys know I always murder names. Always. But I got it right tonight. So I was uh, I met you about two months ago. How did we even connect? Who connected us? Someone connected us. Uh, I think it was James Cadiz who connected. James Cadiz. Yeah. And he's been on the show several times. James Cadiz texted us and says, Hey, Tom Hughes wants to connect you. I said, Who's Tom Hughes? I travel. I don't know. Yeah. You know, there's so yeah. many, there's so many Calvary Chapel pastors, it's hard to stay connected. So then I, I stalked you online, I looked you up, and then I'm like, man, this guy has this massive YouTube channel and you do this uh, a prophecy uh, updates, and then you got this awesome church I showed up to, packed, um, people on fire for God, got to go out there and do the Kill the Noise tour, um, saw people get saved, um, rededicate their life. Uh, some people, we, got, we heard some cool testimonies of some girl's back got healed. Um, when she went home, she realized it. And so God's just moving. And it was, honestly, it was an awesome, amazing spirit or experience to be out there with you guys. Oh, it was great having you. It was the whole, uh, the Sunday you were there was fantastic. Uh, the night before when you came for tacos was good. Yes, yes. The ta- <laughs> that place was actually really good. And, uh, I, you know, you were announcing it at your service that, you know, this Mexican restaurant was a, was a good taco spot, and I was bragging about it. So I went after, and I found the, uh, several people from your church there. They Googled, they Googled it, and uh, we ended up eating tacos with them. So it was amazing. And without getting into the whole story, I ended up getting a flat tire on the way home, and I spent about six hours waiting to get this new tire plugged. And then it was all sketchy. They're like, I don't know if the plug's going to hold because the hole's so big because a vice grip went basically through your – the handle of the vice grip went through your tire. So I remember I was driving through the Ortegas, and I'm like, oh, oh no. If this thing goes out right now at night, I'm going to have to – I just might just die out here. You might. <laughs> On the Ortegas. Literally, yeah. literally. That place is sketchy. But anyway, I wanted to bring you in studio – and uh, today, I want to talk to you about, I want to get into your testimony, and then I want to end it with kind of just the polls on culture, what's going on with end times, because every time I do some kind of a prophecy show update, people love it to death. So, but you have a very colorful, pla- a very colorful past, I can't speak right now. Um, you grew up in Riverside, California. Yeah. Riverside and Orange County. Kind and of Orange both. County, yeah, hopping back and forth. I was born in L.A. Okay. Family moved to Orange County when I was young. Went to Catholic school. Oh, you're, oh, you're yeah, Catholic. I was, I was an dad, altar huh? boy in the whole bit. An altar boy. I was an altar boy. And then uh, family moved to Riverside, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when the trouble began. So, yeah, but, so, but this is during the – you were in high school in the 70s. High school in the 70s, yeah. So then where the trouble began? Was it high school? It was really you know? after high school. So in, in high school, it was, it was pretty typical 70s. You, you smoke a little dope. And you drank a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, it was c- really culture. How um, about LSD? Where did that fit in? You had to be crazy to take that, or was that around? I had, I had friends that did that. I wasn't interested. I did do mushrooms Yeah. Uh, after high school. Got it. And I, I didn't really enjoy mushrooms that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, It's too much commitment. It's like an eight-hour trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and most of my friends that were on those things... They didn't do so well. So, 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 you know, I had some, I had some things I would look at and say, I'm not so sure I want to do yeah. that. That was one of them. However, <laughs> I wasn't paying enough attention. Yeah. So I get out of high school 
And then uh, I end up uh, getting a job in construction mm-hmm. and met this guy. And uh, he said, hey, you want to make some extra money? I said, sure. And I'd already been part of the pot culture. I didn't like smoking it that much, but I did uh, smoke it. And he was selling pot. And he was connected with the Mexican mafia, who I think is what the name is for the cartel now. Mm-hmm. And so I say, sure. So this goes back probably, I'm thinking about 1980. And so I got connected with him. And I started selling pot. And uh, and I was pretty proud of myself because most of my friends were selling baggies of pot. And then I started selling pounds. Yeah. And just upgraded, uh, started selling 5, 10, 20 pounds at a time. And uh, the money was great. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I was I was actually a lot more afraid of some of the people I was working with in the business. Right. Than yeah. I, not, not the Mexican mafia. Oh, no? It was the other people that I remember doing a deal with this this uh, motorcycle gang. And uh, they had me on the edge. I was thinking, these guys are going to take all my stuff, take all my money. They're going to kill me. And, and that kind of, you know, yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. Of so, I mean, you're, you were dealing with some pretty sketchy characters. Totally. And so, had that... But the money was great. I mean, right. even today, that money would still be really good. Yeah. And so I'm looking at it thinking, I'm never going to be able to get out of this business. But then my connection, the guy who got me into it, he ends up getting busted. He got turned in by a friend. Huge sting went down. He got busted. So that ended my pot selling career because he was my main connection. Right. So uh, what would you, you, you decide to do from, from that respect of construction, basically? So, yeah, well, no, I, I decided I was going to uh, sell cocaine. But how'd you get introduced to cocaine? Well, the guy who, when I started doing all the pot mm-hmm. sales, yeah. uh, was just part of, hey, let's do these deals. I, I hey, by deal. the way, yeah. and the stuff was coming from the Mexican mafia. Yeah. Yeah. So I sit there, I go pick up 10 pounds or 20 pounds. By right. the way, let's do a few lines before you leave. And I said, man, this is the life. You know, this goes back to the days of Miami Vice. I don't know if you remember that oh, TV I do. show. I do. And all that other stuff that was going on. So, you know, cocaine was a huge thing back then. Big time. And uh, the problem with cocaine was I tried to sell it, but I liked it too mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting a pretty substantial addiction to it. Right. And then I started smoking it and smoking crack, mm-hmm. and that was where the trouble really started in my life. And crack came out in the 80s. It came out in the 80s, and that was that was bad news. Crack uh, is bad. It was, it was exceptionally addictive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear those things. You know, I had friends who were doing heroin and doing all those other things. Uh, and yeah, I heard about, you know, crack's addictive, and I'm going, okay, well, you know, whatever. So, you know, I was already on coke, and then so I did the crack, and that was it was like one time, and that was it. Yeah, it's that you know what actually, um, I got into crack for a little bit, or I, I've, I've not into I, I've experimented with it several times, but that I always tell people that is the most addicting drug yeah. out there. Don't mess with that stuff, that stuff will yeah. get you first try. Yeah, you it know. did. Yeah, that's exactly what it did. It was first try, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like pot or something like that. Yep. Uh, and even just cocaine wasn't like the first try. Nope. Uh, and it's diff- cocaine itself is a different type of addiction too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went, I ended up getting addicted to it, and uh, it, it had a hold on me. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of different things that go with that culture too. It's not just you know you you've been there. You yeah. you know what it's like. You have a lot of friends that are have been part of that. Or, yeah, are in it. That's part of what your your yeah. ministry is too. Yeah. So you. There's so many different things that are part of the culture, uh, the people, the parties, 
um, some of the dark things that you get involved in, at least I certainly did, mm-hmm. and you, you end up taking some very dark turns. Yep. And the thing is, you're with people that to this day, the ones that are still alive, I love them. Yeah. Some of them I actually got reconnected with uh, over the last few years. They ended up reaching out to me uh, when they found out I was a pastor. You know, this is, what, 30, 35 years later. Mm-hmm. And they had followed my life, maybe follow, found me on YouTube or something like that and say, man. And uh, But... You know, and those people are as addicted to the stuff as I was, mm-hmm. or they were. So we're all caught in this stuff together. But you get into some dark spiritual things. I mean, there were definitely some demonic things that were taking place in my life. Talk, talk about a couple of those things, because there, there, is, there is people that are um, watching the show right now that are struggling with addiction, drugs and alcohol and different things and pornography and any of those doorways these are all doorways that you know like that band the doors we've talked about this before they used to call themselves the doors jim morrison used to you know eat peyote and lsd and the doorways would open to the supernatural he'd see indians dancing around and shaman indians and the whole thing when you open yourselves to drugs and alcohol and pornography and like these sin lifestyles it opens up the doorways for the supernatural from the dark side to invade your life in your surrounding area. So that's where the influence comes from. So, and I've had several uh, events of like these kind, but uh, tell me about some of yours because some of these people are probably listening, um, have experienced some of these things. Yeah. Well, I'll, 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 there's one time in specific, and, and, uh, and let me my preface it with this. Uh, Robin Williams, remember him, comedian, yep. mm-hmm. uh, committed suicide a mm-hmm. few years ago. There were some stories that came up about him afterwards where he talked about these, where he felt like he was possessed. Really? And certain, yeah, and certain things would happen to him when he'd be on stage. He said, it wasn't even me, and it would just take over, and he had all this power in different things. So I read these different things about him uh, feeling like he was possessed, and I'm convinced that that is a lot more real than most people think. Because yep. here's what happened to me. I remember uh, on my bed, and just having a conversation one night. I don't know if it was with the devil or with a demon. Yeah. Um, it was probably with the demon. You know, I think yeah. the devil's isolated in particular or, or areas. Not isolated, but he's, he's, uh, he's not everywhere. Like God is yeah. everywhere. Yeah. The devil's not everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so probably a demon. And the conversation basically was this. I will give you this if you will just let me have you. And it was a very friendly conversation. But as I thought about it, I remember seriously thinking I should do this because I really want that. I, sh- I-, I think I should do this. And I thought, you know what? I do not want uh, the devil to have me. And I was not a believer then, so his conversation was yeah. this unsaved guy on drugs having this conversation. But I had enough sense about me to say, mm, no, I'm not so. going to open up the door to that. Yeah. And I didn't. I'm convinced if I open up the door to that, I, I don't know. I, I'm convinced I would have been possessed at that moment. 100%. Um, yeah. So I can fast track from there went to when I was living in Newport Beach. When I lived in Newport, a friend of mine took me in. He knew I was a mess. I lost everything. Um, and so I go and move in with him. And I was remember being down there one night, and I'm laying in my bed, and there, all of a sudden, I'm on my face, and there's this presence in the room. And I won't go into all the details because it was uh, there was a physical presence in the room. It wasn't just some weird thing I saw yeah. or some ghost-like thing. It was a physical presence in my room. I could feel it touching yeah. my skin. Yep. And I'm sure you've talked to people like that before. I've, I've had I've had the um, 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 
where the, the a demon showed up in my room. Actually, after nine days of wait, three days of cocaine and Xanax. No, three days of cocaine and ecstasy. Uh, we partied for like a week, and then after the next night, I, I did party that that night. I ended my night, went to bed, woke up the next morning, went to work. That next night, I had the sleep paralysis where a demon, I seen a demon in my room manifest, and it ch- jumped from one side of my room to the other, to the other, and then it came at me, and it was, and then another one was on me, holding me down, choking me out. That, and that is common. Sleep paralysis. The mainstream calls it sleep paralysis. That's demonic activity. Yeah. Uh, the doorways being open. You're talking about something totally. like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, totally. And, and, you know, if you haven't been there, even in the Christian world, talk mm. to a pastor or something like that, they're thinking, you're just nuts. You you yeah. need some drugs. You yeah. need to go get some it's a real some thing. of the pharmacia from the pharmacies to get off this thing. I do want to say this before I forget as you go on. I can't tell you how many young people I talk to from 12 years old nine years old to like 16 in high school that have had these experiences ever since all the, there was that resurgence of all the supernatural films that were coming out, mm-hmm. like that movie Ouija, which was the Ouija board movie. And like, uh, I can't think of the other ones, but all those really dark demonic stuff that started coming out over the last probably 15 years. Since then I've been meeting with people and I've heard this sleep paralysis, demons manifesting, choking them out, holding them out in bed. It's so common with the youth you, I could not believe it. I thought it'd be just like a crazy drug addict, but this is just with like kids that are watching the supernatural films, and it's opened themselves up to the stuff to happening in their room. Oh, totally. As you know, I don't have to convince uh, you. No, totally. Yeah. We, in the in the '60s, when I was a kid, we used to go to friends' houses and play with Ouija boards. I don't know yeah. if your dad ever experienced anything no, like no, that. No, no, he never messed with but, that. But but I did. Yeah, and that was just it was just it was just you know parents didn't really think anything of yeah. it you just i remember we shut down all the lights and you pull out this ouija board and you start going through to the seance stuff so th- these things were semi-common in, right. in that yeah. in that period the 60s and the 70s and they gave birth to some really weird things mm-hmm. you know and then birth to and then you know it's the same parents who not being saved and following that same path they end up raising their kids like that mm-hmm. and then we have a culture like we do now mm-hmm. uh, and then you know you go out to i don't know if you've heard of burning man oh yeah okay yeah you look at burning man here's a uh drug fueled spiritual experience you know they build a temple out there every year they have a different theme going on every year drug fueled most of it is these multi-millionaires tech industry moguls the whole bit that are out there doing this stuff that is spiritual and it's demonic stuff that's going on but as drugs really are a, a an open door and you know i remember hearing in the 70s you know drugs are an open door to this stuff i went oh, that's a bunch of nonsense um and i can tell you in my case cocaine definitely Open the door. Something opened that door, mm-hmm. and uh, but I was open to different spiritual things. So how did so? Here you are. You're you're hooked on crack and heroin, which is so gnarly. Not heroin, crack and coke. And you're just at you're you're in Newport Beach one night, yeah. right? So what was the process of how you ended up finding God? Uh, that's a that's a great question. I'll try to make this as short as I can. Take it. We got, we got um, plenty of time. All right. So uh, what happened was I was on a three day binge. 
And, and I mean, all you cokeheads and speedheads know about three day benches. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, that that's you know kind what? of like the the number, huh? Three days, because first day you're high, second day you're trying to keep the high, third day you're out of your mind, and you're like, okay, yeah. I gotta go to bed. Third day, yeah, third day you're you're physically your your body's just thrashed. Your mind is by then your mind really is yeah you're, you're messed up. Yeah. So literally, I was up for three days. I started on a Friday, and it was here it is. It's Monday, and uh, and I remember it was actually Monday night, and I was living in Newport Beach, right on the boardwalk, and uh, and I ride my bike. Down by the pier, there's a bar down there. There's a bunch of bars down yeah. there at the time. There probably still is. I ride my bike to a bar down there, and I was by myself that night for whatever reasons. I guess most of my friends just said, I'm out of here. Um, so I go down there, and I'm sitting there in the bar, and I had a cigarette with me, and I had uh, filled it with cocaine. And so uh, mixed with the tobacco, right? So I'm sitting we call there. Cocoa Coco Puffs. Cocoa Puffs. There you go. I <laughs> forgot what the name of it was. That's what. It, that's exactly what it was. So I'm sitting there at the bar, and I pull it out, and I light it, and you know, you just get this crazy buzz off it. So I do it, and the bartender, or owner, whatever he was, because the place smells like crack now. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, he looked at me, and uh, and I and he picked up the phone. And I knew he was calling the Newport Beach police. This is in the 1980s. Yeah. And it wasn't going to be good for me. Mm-mm. So I had enough sense to know I'm in trouble. He knows what I'm doing. And Newport Beach police find cocaine on me. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. It's not like things are now. So I got my bike. I couldn't ride it. I was too drunk to ride it. So I walked it back to my house. I go upstairs into my room. And I'm, I'm barfing. You know how that is. You're uh, barfing. My nose is just a so bloody horrible. mess from all the stuff you're yeah. doing, and I and I just cried out to the Lord. I said, uh, Lord, I said, here's the deal. I promised that I would quit doing drugs. I promised I give my life to you. I've done all these different things because I had heard the sinner's prayer before. I, I had yeah. some religious friends that would try to convince me I needed Jesus, but wasn't real sure what that was. I watched some religious TV, so I was able to make some sense of some things. And I and I just said, okay, I promised you this, I promised you that, but here's the deal. I'm never going to get off drugs. I remember resigning that to, to myself. I'm never going to get off drugs. I really need to. This stuff's got a total hold on me. And I said, but here's the deal, Lord. Um, I just want to know you. I want to know that you are real. I want to know you. And I don't care if I ever get off the drugs. And I think, Ryan, that's what God wanted from me. Yeah. Instead of a promise of grandeur, right. it was it was always in the past was, I want to know you. Please get me off the drugs. Yeah. This time was, forget about everything else. I just want to know you. Yeah. And it, finally, I was right in my mind with him. And I fell asleep. When I woke up the next day, which it, in itself was a miracle to me, I walked out of my room. I looked out at the beach and the ocean. And I, and I knew I was born again. I didn't understand the terminology. You knew there was a change. Yeah. Oh, I knew there was a change on the inside of me. Mm-hmm. I knew I was definitely a different person than I had ever been before. And I remember just a couple days after that experience, standing on my balcony, looking up into the sky and saying in a very good way, I don't belong here. I didn't, I didn't know what that meant wow. at the time. Um, but now, you know, now I know what it means. Yeah. You know, I'm not of this world. I'm in this world. I'm not of this world. I have a citizenship in heaven. But all of these things were coming together, and it was, in a, in a, and I never looked back. doesn't mean I'm perfect, but yeah. I never looked back. You know, when, when you're saying this, it, it reminds me of several people that I've talked to that have been my friends. That one guy, he was, he was a 
in the uh, Mongols motorcycle gang, one of my good friends, and he when he got saved, he gave his life to Christ. He said he woke up in the morning and he said he heard the birds chirping, and then he opened the window and looked at it. It's like, oh, man, the, the trees are so green and the sky's right. so blue. There was that the spirit was turned on. He was, he had the whole. He got the feeling of the spirit, and now he was alive spiritually. And there was something that has changed. And you know, a lot of people that that you see walking around that are just going through the life. They're just down and out. They're depressed, and you know, it's, oh man, the world is so lame. It's just boring, and it's so down and depressed. But then when you give your life to Christ, like everything just changes. The Bible says all the old things will pass away, and all things will become brand new. He makes you a new creation of Christ instantly. And um, listeners that are you know tuning in right now, you may be in that situation where you just feel like you're just you need you need a shift in your life. You have to come to Christ. You have to give your life to Christ. God, just believe in Him. And when you were saying that you you were you were like got real with God, I was thinking, get real with God, and He'll get real with you. He doesn't want lip service. He doesn't want. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. He knows you ain't going to do it. Just be like, God, if you're real, prove that you're real, and I want to follow you and show me how to do it. And that will change. Repent of your sins. It's that simple. Oh, it is. If you are real with God, he's going to be real with you. He will. But but, but people don't get real. Yeah, you have to. You can't come to God, you already said, with lip service. You know, Isaiah the prophet wrote, they draw near to me with their lips, Mm -hmm. but their hearts are far from me. And that's the way I was for years, you know, growing up in Catholic school. Even I would attend at the time every once in a while uh, Harvest or Calvary Chapel Riverside at the time where Greg Laurie was the pastor uh, before I got saved. And uh, sometimes I was just going for the girls, to be honest with you. Hey, you know what? If you're not a Christian, go for the girls of the church. You know what? (laughs) That's how they all get saved. You know what? (laughs) Well, eventually, you know, I I got saved, but I had heard some things. I remember, this is true, Ryan. I remember one time I started going to Harvest because, uh, or Calvary Riverside, whatever it was called at the time, this girl had invited me. So I started going. And I would drink a six-pack of beer before I would go. Was, I remember it was a Wednesday night. Yeah. And I would drink a six-pack of beer or a 12-pack of beer or whatever it was. Yeah. It's just who I was. Yeah. You know, and I, I will tell you this much. I praise God that nobody ever came up to me and said, get out of, yeah. get out of here. Yeah. You smell like beer or whatever. Because I don't know what that would have done to me. And, yeah. But God had, had gotten me in there to just shut up and listen. Um, and, and I did. I still wasn't saved, you know, but... Um, I eventually got saved, and that was all. It was all a process. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about that process because um, people need to know what the transformation process looks like. Because you know, a lot of when you hear stories and testimonies, you're like, "So I was this, this, and this. I gave my life to God, and then everything was fine." Well, no, yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was a process. Because you you yeah. said earlier, you know, when we were talking, you were saying that you know it took you a couple months to go through because like you were listening to these Bible studies, but you would leave and. You're like, wait, that was an awesome Bible study. But wait, what did he say? Oh, yeah. You had all the, the fog and the cloud from the damage and just like the drug abuse and every just the years of, of your brain not <laughs> operating clearly, like soberly. Yeah. <laughs> that's know, exactly what chemical, basically. Yeah, that, that, exactly right. Plus, you have these temptations yeah. from your previous lifestyle yep. that are constantly pulling at you and all of that. Mm-hmm. So my brain was, it was mush or whatever. So I uh, am living in Newport Beach. I ended up going to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. A friend of mine had invited me. Uh, so I ended up going there. Uh, your dad's there. Uh, pre, he would come and rotate in preaching. Greg Laurie would. Mike McIntosh. This was way back then. And, um, and I, it, was, it was great. In fact, the first retreat I ever went on, uh, those three guys were speaking at it. 
amongst some others, which was huge for me at that time in my life. But I met there at Costa Mesa and listening to Pastor Chuck Smith, and I remember going on Sundays and thinking the whole time, this is great, this is great, this is just what I need. And then as I would leave, I would get to the foyer mm-hmm. on my way to the car. By the time I got to the foyer, I could not remember a single word that Chuck said, but I remembered it was really good and I really needed it, and I would come back again, and then I'd come back again. But it was two years like that, two years, and it was the uh, God had to wash my mind before I could really be uh, stable on my own and be able to go out and do have a, have a normal life. Yeah. And, so that it was, it was a two year process. It didn't just happen. It wasn't like the 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 uh, uh, switch was flipped, and all of a sudden, uh, I was just in my right mind. I'm teaching Bible studies. I understand the Bible or any of that. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a time of like detox. You know, when you when you give your life to Christ, and, and whether you're on drugs or or whatever. Like I was talking to someone the other day. They were just saying like when they gave their life to God, you know, they because they used to listen to a lot of gnarly music. You know, with you know just lyrics that probably we're talking about drugs and sex and all this stuff, but when they give it off to God, what happened is they went on, it was like a two year, like they only listened to worship for like two years. And during that process, God was just kind of just rewiring them mentally. And, and as they were reading the word of God and going to church, God did this whole like, you know, redo on their mind. And then from there, he decided what music he was going to listen to at that point. But it's he. But we were sharing because even when I got saved, I disconnected from going out to certain areas where I, parties or different things where I was at or concerts, and I was just going to the church seven days a week. I was listening to worship. I was reading the Word, and that was for like a year. I didn't listen to any secular music. But there was that process where God was rene- had to renew my mind. He had to basically like wa- literally wash my mind. Like he needed, I needed a whole remake over in my whole brain because of what was going on prior to that, all the garbage that was in there. That's totally me. Yeah. In fact, I had to be separated from my friends. God did that because I wouldn't have separated from yeah, them. Yeah, totally. So he moved me to Newport Beach. I get saved shortly after I moved there, probably within two, two or three months of living there. So I was disconnected from all of my connections and everything mm-hmm. else. And then with the whole music part, the same thing happened. I, not so much by choice. What I noticed was it was worship music was the only thing that was able to give me any peace. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking down the beach late at night, having a Walkman on. You probably don't remember what Walkmans are. I, I'm <laughs> not, hey, I, 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 yeah, I do. I was I mean, that, in the that, 80s. That, <laughs> <you> were, <laughs> that was definitely I an 80s one, thing. It was kind of like, you know, <laughs> so uh, definitely not the same as AirPods. They were, they were cool when they came out with the little headphones. Remember yeah, that in the 80s? They, 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 had the big they, ones. Have, they have foam they, and stuff they, on exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, young kids, uh, Google that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay, so you're listening to the worship, you're going down the beach. So, yeah, so, so that's really where uh, the change started to happen. What was interesting, I get saved, yeah. and then several years later, I the very first funeral I did was before I was a pastor. Mm. Um, a friend of mine had died, and it turns out he was probably my best friend in high school, and I didn't know this, uh, but after high school, uh, you know, I did drugs, he did drugs, but he got into a gay lifestyle mm-hmm. and went into the homosexual community. And then I got a call from another friend of mine and said, hey, uh, Brad is passing away and he's dying from AIDS. Oh, yeah, and so 80s, the last 80s. two weeks of his life, I ended up being able to just uh, go over to his house. I'd pray with him. 
and did his uh, did his memorial service. And his mom came up to me after one of no one of the neighbors' moms came up to me right after the memorial service. She said she looked at me, goes Tommy Hughes, this can't be you. I know you. There's no way you could be up there talking about Jesus like that. But that's the transforming that yeah. that God does. And my friend who died from AIDS is in heaven too. Exactly. That's what God does. He could use anyone. You can't get discouraged and think you're too far gone. I mean, listen to this testimony right here. Bloody nose, smoking <laughs> coke in a cigarette in a bar. You're crazy. That's a very bold move. But then God gets a hold of you. Yeah, when you're drunk, you can do a lot of bold things, I right? Actually, you are so, absolutely yeah. right. You are absolutely right. Okay, hey, we're going to go to the break in a minute. But I have Tom Hughes from uh, uh, the church's 412 out in San Jacinto. Very good. Is that yeah, it good. again? You, you, I am yeah. killing it right you, now. You are. Uh, but your YouTube channel, what, what, what is yeah. it? Is it called Tom Hughes? No, it's called Hope for Our Times. Hope for Our Times, and it's a prophecy update channel. It is a prophecy update YouTube channel, yes. So is this daily? It is daily. There's a lot on there, mm-hmm. and I talk about a lot of things. Okay. And, I, and, I'm not, and I'm not bashful. Okay. So Well, go to YouTube, click and follow, and get updated daily. And when we get back from the break, we're going to continue, because this is where the st- not that that story was cool, but this is where it gets really cool because this is all the Jesus stuff, what God has done. I love testimonies of talent. You know, I like to hear about the dirt of like where they came from because then when you hear like what they're doing now, it just shows that's the power. It's, it's a lot of people like to skip over the, the, the dirty stuff. Oh, I used to be bad. I got saved. And, but now I do all this awesome stuff for Jesus. Well, the power is like when it shows how gnarly and messed up you were and then what God can do with someone's life. And that's the most amazing thing about testimonies. Uh, go to the whosoevers.com, follow us, get all the past radio shows, and stay up to speed. And we will be back in two minutes right after the break. Peace. More of The Ryan Reese Show coming up. Post your questions at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, and or Facebook. Now back, back, back to The Ryan Reese Show. All right, we are back, and I have Tom Hughes in studio from Church is uh, 412 San Jacinto. I got that unlocked today. I'm excited. Um, don't forget, go to his YouTube channel. And what was the YouTube channel again? Uh, Hope for Our Times. Hope for Our Times. It's a prophecy uh, update uh, YouTube channel, which is very important, especially with the days that we're living oh, in. Oh, yeah. I mean, man. But we're going to get into it. I, w- I want to okay. wait till the end of the show to get more into okay. that. So before the... Before the break, we were just talking about how you get saved from this radical drug life in Newport Beach, and now you're going to the church, going to Calvary Chapel, you're seeing different pastors. After two months, finally, you start taking in, you you're actually can remember what's going on with the message. So there was that supernatural work of the Holy Spirit where God was renewing your mind through the Bible, through the Word. It renews our mind daily, and now, how? what was the next step? So you're saved, now what? Yeah. Can't sell drugs anymore. No, so no, I can't sell drugs anymore. In fact, it's interesting is is I I wasn't paying taxes for several years too. Oh, shoot. so I had to get that right also. Just I, I had to get everything right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So I, I that was another story. We won't get into that today. But I got that Episode right also, two. and yeah. God bless that also. Um, so what happens is I get saved and I go to this retreat. Your dad speaking, Greg Laurie. Mike McIntosh, a couple other uh, those Calvary guys from that era, yeah, from yeah. the Harvest Book era, yep. And uh, so I go to this retreat. It's in San Diego. I was a brand new believer, and um, 
I'm just, you know, I'm on fire at that point. I don't know what's going on, but I'm on fire. And uh, I think, you know what, I think I'm going to be a pastor. I, I knew about as much of the Bible as, you know, John, maybe John 3.16 at that point yeah, I knew. Yeah. But you, and, you had that call, like you, you felt like uh, uh, oh, you yeah. had that thought, right? I had that thought. I definitely had that thought. So I went down to my home church at that time, it was Calvary Costa Mesa. I make an appointment to meet with Pastor Chuck and tell him I want to be a pastor. So I show up at the church to meet with him. They say, okay, your appointment's at whatever time. I go and this guy comes out and he says, I'm Romaine. I heard you know who Romaine is. Uh-huh. It was a miserable meeting. Anyway, so we met, and I and I, and he gave me all these you know all these things to do. If you're really a pastor, then if you really want to be a pastor, then. So I didn't do anything Romaine told me to. I decided if I'm going to be a pastor, God will make it happen, and I'm not going to do the things Romaine wanted me to do. So, anyways, I just I really got plugged into going to Bible studies. Everyone that's, has, that's everyone has the same story about Romaine. <laughs> I, yeah. That's why I'm just sitting there laughing. Yeah. That was my first and last yeah, meeting exactly. I ever had meet with him. <laughs> so so you're waiting for God to do something. and So I got, I got plugged in. I started just going to Bible studies yeah. at, at Calvary Costa Mesa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eventually, just to get my act back together, this is after about a couple of years, year and a half, two years, my mind's really starting to clear up a lot better. Mm-hmm. I decide financially I got to get my act together. So I ended up moving back in with my parents. Mm-hmm. I'm in my late 20s now. Yeah. And thinking, okay, going back home, got to really suck You got to regroup, up. though. You got to, you know. I, I did have to regroup. Yeah. And yeah. it was helpful. I wasn't there long, probably about six months. Mm-hmm. Then I got my own apartment. Uh, but I got plugged into Harvest in Riverside right. at that time. So this goes way back. And uh, at that point, I met a group of people. My wife was in, in that group of people. Not yet. Okay. Not right. yet. So no, she is, wasn't my so wife. This is yes. where it gets good. This is, yeah, she wasn't my wife yet, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And uh, we were definitely opposites. Yeah. You know, she was, she, was a, she was a very good girl. I was uh-huh. not that kind of guy. I've heard that right? story somewhere. Yeah, so, so God did a miracle. That yeah, she would totally. even like me was a miracle. Yeah, isn't it amazing? <laughs> if you asked her, she would even say that. Yeah. Um, so, so how, okay, well, I, I want to hear. So how'd you, so how'd you meet her? So I didn't know you were going to ask me that, so that's what I get for bringing it up. So there was a, a Bible study uh, with a, just a group Bible study, and I had gotten connected with just some people around there and said, you want to go to this Bible study? I said, sure. And they said, well, we're going to be in Yorba Linda Park uh, on Saturday, and we're going to play softball and volleyball and just come on down there. So I did, and we met at the park. And uh, and she didn't really like me that much, and, and I, I was you know, we, but we became friends. I tell you when it really took off was the very first Harvest Crusade uh, down in, I don't even remember what place it was. It wasn't Anaheim Stadium. It was before Anaheim Stadium. Was it the, I remember going there. Pacific Palace? Yes, the Pacific Pacific Amphitheater. Amphitheater, that's what it was. At the Orange County Fair. Yeah, that's where it was, where they have the Orange County SWAT team. I might have been there when you were there. You had been there. When the fire was lit with you too. You you might have been. I, I went. I went to that. So that was that was really good for her that night. She got really lucky. She met me, and uh, <laughs> not kidding. <laughs> but that was really yeah. where everything began w- with us. Awesome. And in that process, mm-hmm. I'm getting closer, starting to get to know some of the pastors and things. And then uh, there's a home Bible study I got involved in that she was part of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got involved in that, and I said, "Hey, I'd like to teach sometime." And they let me teach. Um, so I. Started getting into a rotation. Yeah. Uh, by this time, I was a, a, a Christian for probably two and a half years at that time. 
uh, maybe a little bit longer. I get into the teaching rotation and uh, just slowly did that, started serving at the church and getting involved. This is cool. I like how you're kind of telling the story, how you got into this, into ministry and stuff, because, I mean, for listeners that maybe, you know, on the East Coast or, you know, wherever you're tuning in around the world, um, he has a, a, a thriving big church. And, you know, when you look at churches from a distance, you don't really, you just see this shiny object of like, this church is alive. It's big. They got multiple services. Like you guys were doing like three or four services before uh, yeah. the pandemic uh, hit. But still, it's a big church. You still got several services going on. And it's things are happening, but you look from a distance, and you're like, "Oh wow!" Like you know, but you don't see the you don't see the work process. Oh yeah. And 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 how how you really started was like I'm going to be dedicated to going to Bible studies, and then I'm going to be involved in a home group. Who wants to get? Who wants to? If you want to be a pastor, like who wants to just get involved in a home group? Who wants to get involved in all these little things? You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you really think about it. But this is the process to learn in these environments. And then because of your faithful services to these small beginnings, God does the work and brings the increase. So I love that you're talking about this stuff because yeah. People that are like, if there's someone listening right now, like, I want to be a pastor. I have a call, and God's giving me a vision to be in front of thousands of people. I've heard that so many times. <laughs> Ryan, God's giving me a vision. I need to tell my story. I need to, I need to speak in front of thousands of yeah. people. And I'm like, bro, why don't you go start by cleaning the bathrooms? You know, yeah. like, can you, can you serve at all here? No, I'm a call to speak here. Yeah. So anyway, go, I love, I love that you're telling yeah. this, the, the, the basic process. It is, you know, and it is a faith in God. God says, be faithful in little things. Then I'll, I'll give you. I'll do these bigger things through you. Yep. And and it is being faithful in the little things. I mean, it's same principle with anything. Ask the billionaire how they became a billionaire. Exactly. You know, it, it, it probably started with some really hard work at a very young age, and they used their brain, and you know maybe some other things were involved there yeah. too. But yeah. nevertheless, you don't just wake up one morning and all of a sudden you're a billionaire unless you won the lottery. And if mm -hmm. you won the lottery and became a billionaire good chance you're going to blow all that money. So That's you're going to you're going to have another problem that you've you've got. But it is it is these small things. In fact, when I landed at the church that I'm at now, what happened was the pastor that was there, uh, I I ended up becoming a uh, a pastor on staff at Harvest in Riverside God, with great right. glory. So I ended up being on staff there. And by the way, I'd been teaching Bible prophecy almost since the beginning okay. of my teaching. Uh, and um but I'm on staff at, at a Harvest in Riverside. I get a call. Don McClure was involved in it. Mm -hmm. He says, hey, this pastor has resigned from this church uh, in San Jacinto. San Jacinto. And uh, are you interested? In, and I was because I had already looked at Seal Beach. I looked at uh, somewhere down that area, Huntington Beach, Seal Beach area, a uh, few different areas, Arizona. You know, I was like, wherever you want me to go. Yeah. So I went out there and threw my hat in the ring. And uh, next thing you know, I was, they said, sure. And I became the... The pastor out there, it was, it was a smaller church then, um, and um, they had a lot of problems they had to go through. I arrived. Uh, it, they probably had, I'm thinking, 200 adults, um, when, uh, maybe 300 when I arrived. Half the church left. They, they didn't, you know, you know that's happens. just how yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know what? And you got to deal with that stuff. Yeah. You know, where are all these people? Yes, living? I got 300. Wait, 150. Yeah, it might have <laughs> even been 100 by yeah, that exactly. time, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then, but you know what? You, you, it's... God has called you. Yeah. And if God's called you, we'll be faithful to what he's called you with yeah. and what he's called you into and press forward. Yeah. And um, 
so that's what I did. That's always been my personality. If I was doing drugs, I was pressing forward. Yep. If I was dealing drugs, I was pressing forward. It yep. didn't matter what I've done. That was my personality. You work hard. You go for it. Yep. And you, you're going to take your lumps. There's people that are not going to like you in this life. But you got to do what you believe is pleasing to God. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you just got to tough it out. You, you can't always get you, – you, most of the time, like when you're doing ministry, a lot of stuff doesn't even make sense. You know, when God's doing stuff in your life. And you can't just look at the natural realm. You know, if God has called you to do something and be something, it's not about the numbers. It's not you can't get discouraged about what's happening. Um, what what you see, you just got to be faithful and trust that God is. You know, working out the details. He's doing His work. He's called you there, and He's either put you in a place to to develop you for something else, or He's put you there because He's going to do this work. And and He's gonna. It's going to take time to till the ground and, and prepare and get ready, and then He brings. He brings the increase, you know. So I want to encourage people that are listening to be a if they want to do ministry or pastor, like don't don't think you're gonna get up on, on some stage or you're gonna have all these millions and thousands of people. Like God, you have to start at the bottom and let God build you up. And that's the best way to do it anyway. It's just that that's just let God just kind of bring the increase and let him open the doors and lead you and guide you. Because you don't want to get in an area that God's not there. Like you don't want to move over to the certain area and say, God. Bless what I'm doing over here. You want to be under where God's like, well, I'm blessing here. You want to slide right under that spout of where he's yeah, blessing. You do. Yeah, you do. Not like, hey, bless me over here. You know, that never works out well. Yeah. It's like, hey, God, this is my idea. Yeah. I want you to bless my idea. How about you come over here with my idea? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, there's a, a million good ideas, but there's go with the one God idea. Absolutely. And, and, and press forward in that. You know, I look at it even with the YouTube channel I have. Yeah. I remember making the videos. I knew what I was saying was right. Yeah. And I knew I had a message that people needed to hear, like yours, right? Mm-hmm. I knew people needed to hear this. And I remember having seven views, 15 views. Yeah. And you're like, all that for this. All, all, well, yeah, there was that. However, I also still knew that God had put it on my heart and my yeah. mind. And yeah. I knew what I was saying was true yeah. and correct. Um, and so, but you could get, I'm saying for the natural person, yeah, okay. you could get discouraged. You're like, I oh. did all this work. I did this video and God, I thought you called me and I got seven views. You would quit. You would, yeah, if like that's it's not worth it, you would, you would absolutely quit. Ryan, I'm sure you felt like quitting in certain things. I mean, you're a mover and a shaker. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at some of the things that you've done. So you have that personality, but, and, and so, you know, you know, well, that if you just look at the day to day numbers or, or this, you you would there's no way how could you do that most people that's what they do they look at the immediate results right and so they just they they just say forget it whether it be ministry or anything else in life you can't do that you have to be willing to press forward and god will increase mm-hmm. and and he does increase mm-hmm. so we have 12 minutes left of the show um let's talk about well before we even get into that, is there anything else that you would like to encourage the listeners with? Because we, it seems like this whole conversation has shifted into um, just how, you know, from taking you from darkness into light, but then God doing this cool thing with ministry. Is there any people or anything you would want to say to people that are wanting to get into ministry? Any any more encouragement that you could think of that just off the subject of maybe if they want to plant yeah. churches. I mean, because I okay. feel like right now yeah. the harvest is ripe and we need yeah. more people in the fields. Yeah, there, we need more people. We need more people that are faithful and willing to take hits, mm-hmm. willing to be bold. I'll tell you what's gone wrong in in, in yeah. 
in America. Yeah. And I, I would I say you could fault the church in, in this. And you can disagree with me in this if you want. That's fine. But I look at it. Here's what happened. Go back about 40 years. Churches uh, started doing demographic studies. And I get demographic studies. I have friends mm-hmm. that have done those. And they was sent out a survey to a neighborhood where a guy says, hey, I want to go plant a church in this neighborhood. Right? They pick a nice neighborhood or bad neighborhood. It doesn't matter. I want to go plant it there. They sent out a survey. What do you want to hear in this area? So the pastor goes, ah, I'm going to, okay, that's what the people want to hear. That's the message I'm going to bring. No way. So that's what they do. You know, that's what they, that's been happening for decades. And churches get planted that way. So instead of going with the word, what's happened is 2 Timothy chapter 4 has been fulfilled, where in the last days, Paul writes and he says, listen, the people are going to raise it for themselves, uh, teachers to itch their ears mm-hmm. that will not bring the truth, but will bring uh, good stories and fables. Yeah, That's what's happened. So Good stories w- and fables, that's where we're at, good, actually. That's where we're at. <laughs> so we need pastors that are faithful. Yeah. We need people that are faithful, yeah. men and women that are saying, no, th- we need to stand up for the truth, yeah. and we need to bring the truth. Here's something else that grinds a lot of the people who follow me, mm. is we do not need a political leader. I'm not saying don't get involved in politics. Yeah. I have a lot of friends, close friends that are involved in politics, press forward in it. I think that we need that. We need righteousness there. However, what's happened is there are too many people within churches mm. that are looking for a political savior instead of Jesus Christ. Mm. And right now, the field is ripe for harvest. Yeah. What people need to know is, who is Jesus? Mm. It is only Jesus who can turn this mess around, because mm. this, this world is in a mess. But churches, I, I would even fault for that, uh, for this primary reason, getting away from teaching the truth decades ago mm-hmm. and just bringing in the, the good stories and the fables mm-hmm. and getting the people to say, yeah, this is great, and, uh, and, and uh, turning it into uh, just a celebrity culture. Mm-hmm. And listen, it is more than that. It is about the Lord Jesus Christ, yep. and we need to keep that. So with anybody who's thinking, hey, I want to get involved, listen, go with the truth, be willing to say the truth. Of course, Jesus is full of grace and, uh, uh, and full of truth. Both. He wasn't half grace, half truth. He was both. Mm-hmm. So you got to go with the truth, but there is the love side of it also, mm-hmm. and recognizing what was the message of Jesus. How did he minister to the Samaritan woman? How did he minister to the Pharisees? Two opposite ways. Yeah. And, and yeah. so we have the, the uh, Jesus, uh, we're able to meet the culture that mm-hmm. we have, and the background I have, it's helped me out a lot mm-hmm. um, through through the things I'm able to share and the reality that I know you need to be bold, your background, look at where you are now, what God's doing with you. Mm-hmm. God will use you with your background no matter what it, no matter what it is. If you were a white-collar worker that got saved and you were a multimillionaire and you were basically a good person but then you got saved, God's going to use that to reach people mm-hmm. that other people aren't going to be able to reach. And God is going to use... Uh, the, the Ryan Reese's and the people that are watch, that watch this program, he will use you, your personality, and don't try to be somebody else. Be the person that, that you are. Yep. And, you know, too many people get in ministry, I'm going to be like so-and-so. Forget that. You're, you're totally you. That's what I love. <laughs> when you came out to our church, that's what resonates with people. Yeah. If you tried to be somebody else, it wouldn't work. I know. There's too many people. I, there, I, have, I have a question for you, too, and I love where you're going with this whole thing. This is totally up my alley here. Um, it drives me nuts when you see this. there's like 20 of the same person, 
20, you see this in church culture. Like oh, yeah. you look at the way they dress and they all dress the same way and they all teach the same way. There's no uniqueness. No. It's the same personality with 10 different people and the same outfits and the same haircuts. I mean, but what's really crazy is they actually adopt the teaching style and they're yeah. just the same person replicated, which drives me nuts. God has created us uniquely. We have a unique call. And I believe that God uses you more when you're just walking in that, that freedom of who you are. The person, because your personality oh, yeah. comes out. Yeah. And that resonates with, with, with people. Now, the other thing, I, what you were saying about earlier about you know politics and all that stuff, I have a question for you. Um, and I, it kind of like, it kind of makes me nervous because with, like with the whosoever's, with the people that we're reaching, you know, I'm going to just lay, lay a blanket statement here before I get into this because this could kind of, you know, sketch people out from what I'm going to say about them. But um, I, we're at outreach ministry. So the majority of people that I'm in front of, I'm at skate parks, I'm in public schools, I'm in public colleges, universities. Um, I'm at concerts, raves, metal concerts, basically Hollywood. I mean, when I go to Hollywood, I'm, I'm in the gay community. Like, I mean, like there, there might be like another straight guy there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so the people that I'm surrounded by is new age, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's ast not astrology? Well, astrology, uh, uh, agnostics, atheists, LGBTQ community, the, you know, the transgender, like the, the basically people that are not Christians whatsoever right mm -hmm. the mainstream in full capacity so us as christians you know i was thinking about this last night like was would jesus be a republican or would he be a democrat or he'd be an independent what where would he find himself in this place and where do politics and all this stuff come into christianity and it's it's scary for me because i'm a i'm a christian but i'm on the great commission and if I flag, if I bring my, I'm a Republican, or if I try pushing, mm -hmm. um, if I try pushing po political agendas, then I have now closed the door to the whole community that I'm trying to reach, mm -hmm. which is the world. And the thing that I get a little nervous on is when I see ch churches getting very, um, I think there's there's people called the politics, and yeah. there has to be people yeah. that need to. And I want to I want to because I have friends that that there are churches like like Rob McCoy. Okay, mm -hmm. he's up in uh, Calvary yeah. Chapel, no, uh, Godspeed. Awesome. He's called yeah. to that, and he's 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 you know with Charlie Kirk and the, mm -hmm. there's these guys that are out there that are called that are doing it well. But I get a, I get more nervous when a, like a lot of churches that are bringing more of the politics in to the church community when it needs to be a place where we could bring the non-Christians mm -hmm. in. Because if, if you're bringing in like the LGBTQ community and you're bringing in these people, they're going to get offended by the politics. So it has to be a very like, I get, I get nervous. And I've been, this is something that I wrestle with where I'm going and I'm, I'm just going to be transparent here, but I get really like, well, how do we, how do we, let people know, like, you know, you don't want to abort, you know, you don't want to, you know, vote for like abortion and stuff. Cause you mm -hmm. know, Jesus says, you know, thou shalt not murder. It's very simple. It's the 10 commandments. Right. But 
How do we navigate in this time and culture with everything that's going on with we want to stand for righteousness and we want to stand for law and order. We want to stand for what is right in, in America and in the world, but we don't want to jump too hard on the bandwagon of politics mm -hmm. because that could close the bridge. And I hope I explained that no, well. Because it's it. such a touchy yeah. subject. No, I totally got it. It's a touchy so, subject. Yeah, I've had, I've had to wrestle with this myself yeah. because my ministry can be seen as political and it's not. Yeah. In fact, I got a question. I do a lot of live. I'll yeah. take live questions, yeah. uh, comments. Yeah. And what came up the other day, what do, what do I think about Trump? Yeah. I, I avoided the question. Yeah. And I say, here's what I said. I said, here's the problem that we have in our American culture yeah. right now. In fact, it's global. Yeah. And this is what's happened is people globally and maybe more in America than anywhere else are looking for a political savior. Yeah. And this is what happened. Yeah. And this is what happened when Jesus came the first time. This is another reason why I believe there's evidence he's coming again real soon. Mm -hmm. When Jesus came the first time, what happened? The Sanhedrin mm -hmm. gets together. You have the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. They make up the Sanhedrin, right? Yep. The Sanhedrin were the left. They were the liberal. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the Sadducees were the left. They were the liberal. The Pharisees were conservative. They were you're looking at the Republicans and the Democrats. You're looking at the conservatives and the liberals, mm -hmm. the left and the right. Mm -hmm. they, they made up the Sanhedrin. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Jesus was not the political leader they wanted. They wanted a leader that was going to give them victory over Rome. So what did they do? Both the right and the left. Jesus wasn't the political leader they wanted. Mm -hmm. They voted to have him turned over to the Romans to be put on a cross. Right. This is the problem where we are today yeah. in America, that people have turned... The, in the church, and, and you know, Rob's a friend, and I have some other guys yeah. that are good friends, Rob McCoy and mm -hmm. so forth. But in the church in general, there's this climate mm -hmm. that we don't really care. We just know that the political leader is going to be the one that saves us. That's what I was trying and to say. And that's the on. problem. That, that's, that's what I'm seeing is like yeah. it, it, it's got really gone to the, like the political. It, yeah. And, and uh, I'm a conservative. You know, everyone knows that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm conservative. I mean, but, but, but I'm biblically, yeah. I, I think biblically. Yeah, so it's exactly. going to go that way. Yeah. But the problem is, my message is, we need Jesus. Yeah. This country needs Jesus. Yeah. I don't care who the next political leader is. Yeah. If this country doesn't turn to Christ, it's done. Yeah. And yeah. I think we're, we're far down that path already. Mm -hmm. So I get the, the thought behind, hey, we need to get a, uh, uh, somebody who thinks righteously into the Office. political yeah. places. Absolutely. However... We need Jesus. And, and what's going to happen is in the very near future. We have one minute left. In the very near future, both the left and the right are going to get together. They're going to agree on a leader, and the leader is going to be Antichrist. Boom. And there it is. Well, I, when people ask me about voting or, you know, you know, during the elections, who are you going to vote for this and that? I go, I vote for the person that uh, lines up most with the biblical views. Yeah. I'm not down with murder, so I'm anti-abortion. You know, and we just walk through the whole process, and that will tell you where I land. But um, definitely, uh, people need to check out your channel. And you nailed it. It was, it was. I've, I'm nervous of of a lot of churches looking for a political leader. You know, and it's Jesus that we need. And I think if we can get him to Jesus, then that will bring them to what side they need to vote on for who stands the closest to the biblical biblical views. But it's just crazy yeah. times. Yeah, I mean. Never in world history has it been this insane, you know, with, with the climate. It is. We're done with the show, but we got to get you back for a prophecy yeah. update. Yeah, that's what we'll do prophecy. <laughs>
All right. Peace, guys. This has been The Ryan Reese Show. To connect and find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for The Ryan Reese Show.